So many stories just out of the United States this week alone, especially the manhunt, which continues at this hour. The search for the person believed to have killed at least 18 people in the area around Lewiston, Maine. So let's get an update on all those stories and more now with the help of Reggie Giacchini, our Global News Washington correspondent. Good morning, Reggie. Good morning. Okay, so what do we know about this manhunt right now? Well, look, it's it's ongoing. Uh, it's underway. Uh, and there is a general concern here that possibly the suspect has left Maine. Maybe they've gone to Massachusetts. Maybe they've moved towards um, the Canadian border. Uh, and, and really what the concern is here, Simi, is for the suspect's uh, background. He's an army reservist. He may understand how to survive in the wild. He is also um, professionally trained in firearms, which explains how two different scenes uh, became the scenes of shootings uh, in such a very short period of time with a calculated escape. There's a lot that, that investigators don't know right now, and I think that is part of the reason why there is so much fear, not only in the city of Lewiston, but in the surrounding communities as well. Has there been any questions raised yet, Reggie, about how this person who was clearly having mental health issues was able to continue just buying guns? Like, isn't that supposed to be the big red flag? Well, it, in some states, yes. But but Maine, despite the fact that you heard, you know, Senator Susan Collins say that it is one of the safest states in the country. Realistically, it is a state with some of the weakest gun laws in the country. They don't even have a red flag warning, which allows for the court to take the gun away from somebody who poses risk to themselves or someone else. They have kind of a, a watered down yellow flag warning. But but this broadens that conversation, Simi, to, you know, are we going to continue to talk about this shooting or does it now move to the conversation of what can we do to prevent this from happening again? It's meeting some Republican resistance. It's meeting some conservative resistance here. But this is also a very different situation. It is so rare to have this kind of a mass shooting and more than a day later still not have a suspect either yeah. in custody or dead. And so is this a relatively rural area? Is that what the challenge is? Well, I mean, part of it, I mean, look, the state of Maine is not small, but it's not huge, but its population is only 1.3 million. So that's a far smaller amount of people with a far greater amount of just forest land. So the concern is, is he in the forest? We know he had a boat. So did he did he take off, you know, into the Atlantic somewhere, which is why the Coast Guard is assisting with this search. This is not like a mass shooting that that is often, you know, kind of cut and dry with with the ATF and the FBI looking into it. This is this is broad and this is concerning for surrounding states and for surrounding countries like Canada. Okay, so that's still going on, but let's take a look at what happened in Washington too this past week where it felt like after all this build-up and this drama and the soap opera that was the search for a House Speaker, it kind of, in the end, ended really quickly. It did end quickly. Well, I mean, sort of. Yeah, there were four different speaker designates before they right. were able to get a yeah. speaker. I think I think the more remarkable thing here is the speaker is not somebody who's really known outside of yeah. the small Republican circle. He's he's a Louisiana he, from Louisiana. He was only elected in when Donald Trump was elected in in 2016, but it shows to where his political mindset might be. But there is general concern here. He is very conservative. Mike Johnson, he is very tied to some of the big pushes that are coming from the right. Um, he is anti-LGBTQ and has made that clear. He is anti-aid for Ukraine. He is anti-changing gun laws that would put more restrictions in place. And this is going to make work difficult for Republicans when they need to try and get bills sent to the Democratic Senate and Democratic White House. Okay, and so what, has he taken control already? Is there any sign that he can keep the Republican side of things under control? 
We'll have to wait and see. First of all, it only took one person to topple Kevin McCarthy. They're going to need to change the rule if they don't want one person to topple uh, Mike Johnson. But the bigger issue here, Simi, the government could shut down on November 17th, and they've done no work to try and keep the government open until now. Um, they've got a couple of weeks left, and there's a lot that needs to go into this. And there's a lot of stuff that Republicans don't want. Look, Kevin McCarthy was ousted because he intended to work with Democrats with a continuing resolution to keep the government open. If Mike Johnson does that, does he risk pushback from within his own party? And we're staring at a government shutdown. There are big things that he's facing right now. Right. And candidate number three fell by the wayside because that was he, he had a, a an enemy, essentially, in former President Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, he's a Republican, Tom Emmer, but he's a moderate Republican. He's the kind of Republican who voted for the Marriage Equality Act. Um, and that that angered a lot of people on the far right, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and further right, like Donald Trump. And Trump essentially nuked Tom Emmer the day after he had been saying great things about Tom Emmer. So, I mean, it goes to show where the kind of Republican Party is. If you're a firebrand Republican, that is what's going to keep it going forward. Problem is that may not resonate beyond the kind of voting base that put them where they are. And if they continue down this path, 2024 could look very different in the House. Yeah, and let's talk about that, the, the Donald Trump situation, too. So despite all that, he was still kind of involved in the House Speaker situation. He's got his own legal problems that really, uh, well, really took another turn this week. First, sure. oh, well, I mean, sure, he's got he's got a whole bunch of legal problems that he's staring down. Number one, $10,000 fine for violating a gag order, and he was forced to take the witness stand in New York. Uh, number two, on October 30th in Colorado, he is also set to take uh, uh, take up a new court case uh, where the state of Colorado was using the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. And what is that? Well, that prevents somebody who incited an insurrection from holding public office again. That's going to be a big uphill fight that will likely go to the Supreme Court. But the argument is Trump was a mastermind behind January 6th, and that should stop him from going to um, to the Oval Office again. Problem is, he was impeached but not convicted politically. He was charged but hasn't been convicted federally um, or legally. So, so this is going to be a big court case to watch to see what happens. But ultimately, the Supreme Court is going to take this because precedent just simply isn't there. And what happened this week with some former allies who seem to now have turned on him? What, his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Uh, we saw what happened when, when his former lawyer, uh, uh, former lawyers uh, turned on him in, in Georgia. Now we have a third lawyer, Jenna Ellis, who also flipped and is cooperating with the investigation at the state level in Georgia to, Georgia to avoid racketeering charges. And what does it mean? Well, it means information could be given from the legal people who know the mindset of Donald Trump in the days leading up to and weeks leading out of the election in 2020. You know, it was interesting watching Jenna Ellis, you know, being accused of having crocodile tears, saying if she had known now or then what right. she knows now, she wouldn't have helped Trump. But ultimately, she was the one actively promoting false claims about election fraud um, that the entire country knew were bogus. Um, but here she is now cooperating with investigators. And who's to say that Georgia investigators don't pass information to the feds in Washington and Jack Smith is able to start using that in his case against Trump? OK, so more to come on that one. And also just want to ask you about some U.S. Um, airstrikes that happened last night. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, so this is not linked to Israel Hamas, but this is linked to uh, uh, the United States trying to ensure that it's um, assets in the region, its interests in the region are not being under uh, attack. And we know that there have been constant um, threats over the last week uh, and, and attacks made by Iran through its proxies in Syria and Iraq on American um, utilities and, and industry, uh, military industry. Um, the U.S. struck in Syria yesterday, not just at proxies, but at 
Iranian Guard bases. So this is a potential escalation here. We need to see if Iran is going to fight back. This is, again, part of that U.S. commitment to Israel to ensure that whatever's happening there doesn't broaden into a bigger war. But if the U.S. is there and making these threats and having a bit of a tit-for-tat with Iran, that risk starts to escalate kind of on a minute-by-minute basis. Right. Okay. More things, I guess, for the new, you know, speaker. And well, the Congress has to deal with, which they haven't been able to, right? Because of all the speaker yeah. confusion. Yeah, they haven't been able, look, they haven't been able to pass any funding. Biden wants $100 billion in funding, $14 billion for Israel, but it's tied to $60 billion for Ukraine. The new speaker doesn't believe in funding for Ukraine. So what does that do for essential funding for an ally like Israel? Those are big questions now. All right, Reggie, thank you for that. Thank you.